HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Vivino. Discover and buy wines wherever you are. Visit vivino.com heritage to stock up. Hi, I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. This week's theme is youth. We'll have a report on how migrant children separated from their families at the U.S. border are being housed and fed. Right now, what we're very worried about is just the influx of kids created by this zero-tolerance policy. We'll also look into a program that's ensuring free summer meals for kids are only a text message away. Summer is the hungriest time of year for a kid who may not have that safety net of school meals. We discover a new home economics curriculum. I'm not trying to raise a generation of chefs. I'm trying to raise a generation of nourishers who can nourish themselves. And we meet a teen chef who's talked his way into several of New York's top kitchens. I never try and be, like, annoying about it, but I really want to get my foot in the door. Tune in to this week's episode of Meet and Three, available at heritageradionetwork.org and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Southern Teague of Amoria Margo and a co-host of The Speakeasy right here on Heritage Radio Network. You know, my favorite thing to do every week is to come here and be on the show. I have lots of jobs. I'm a very busy person. Um, and I do this because I love it. I get to sit down and talk to all my heroes for about an hour every week. It's incredible. And I hope that you enjoy it, making a great effort to share with you. And we'd like you to share back with us. It's our summer fundraiser, and we'd love for you to donate uh, at heritageradionetwork.org forward slash donate. You can click on the beating heart, and you can even choose shows that you'd like to donate to specifically. And you can also choose a recurring monthly uh, gift. Uh, And for all that, we'd be greatly appreciative. Thank you so much. Welcome to The Great Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Lamberto Frescobaldi. We'll talk Frescobaldi wines and Gorgona, the prison wine. We'll taste the Gorgona for our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Great Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. 
Marchese Lamberto Frescobaldi is a 30th generation winemaker and president of the Frescobaldi family winemaking dynasty in Italy. Frescobaldi has been producing wines in Tuscany for over 700 years and is the maker of some of the most iconic wines in the world, including Castel Giocondo, Nipozano, Luce, Pomino, Massetto, Ornelia, and Gorgona, to name a few. Welcome to the Grave Nation, Lamberto. Hello. It's Sam, good, very nice to meet it's you. It's good to see you again. I've had the good opportunity to uh, meet up with Lamberto in the past. All right, so Lamberto, let's get right into this. Let's give people an idea. I'm sure a lot of people have drank your wines and know your wines, but they may not know the story. So you and your family have a very expansive past. Can you try your best to give us a brief history of Frescobaldi and also you, your journey in life and wine? to where we are today, which is where the business is, and Cardona, which is what okay. we're really going to talk about. I'll try to do my best. Um, so Frescobaldi, they appear uh, around Florence, Tuscany, uh, around the year 1000. Uh, they, they started on, on the river that cuts uh, the town of Florence in two, they were. Um, they used to ship goods, and then they made, I guess, some fortune. And in the 1100, is when would they bought uh, land in the town of Florence. Uh, that land that they bought in the 1100, it's uh, where yet is our home. So, so that is also something I would say that it, uh, it is quite tells you about uh, the history of, of my family. So since the 1100, uh, in the same place, living in the same place since uh, these days. Um, another, uh, I would say, fun thing to know is that uh, the first bridge uh, built over the river Arno uh, was built by an ancestor of mine called like me, Lamberto, in 1252. <laughs> Uh, and a very nice guy was a toll bridge. You could pay and use the bridge, or you could swim. You know, it was up to you. Right. And uh, <laughs> and then uh, the, my family became bankers as Florentine families um, uh, began because they were uh, silk traders before and wool traders. Then they became bankers, and then from banking uh, they became uh, also landowners. In the thirteen hundred they began uh, the wine production and selling the wine to the city initially and then through Europe uh, over the centuries. Uh, long story uh, short, uh, we, we come to the 1800, um, and uh, there uh, the family, my family Frescobaldi, um, thanks to a wedding to another um, old uh, established family in Florence that was a, um, was the last of the women of this family called Albizzi. They got together, they married themselves, and so the Frescobaldi uh, estate, they became much bigger. They, were, they had a lot of estate. One of them was Nipozzano. That is one of the places where uh, we feel like that has been always in our family. Said it's quite recent. It came in 1863 with this wedding. Isn't that where you grew up? Is that exactly where I grew right. up? Uh, I and grew isn't up, there a uh, medieval castle on it? It is a medieval castle. Uh, it's the place where I, um, I, I grew up. Uh, I, I understood 
when I was uh, young that wine had to be drunk in moderation. Uh, and, and you have to go through those uh, times. Um, I, 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 I had the opportunity of loving uh, the countryside uh, because we were, I must say, I was very fortunate to live uh, there. We had not only vineyards, the cellar uh, just below our home, but also cows and dogs and uh, and olive trees, olive trees and and uh, and motorbikes of people that were that were working the vineyards and getting their motorbikes and and then going around all day long, and um, it was um, and fresh milk at night. It was really amazing. Uh, unfortunately, we got to a moment that. Uh, I have two older sisters and one younger sister, and my mother at the moment said to my father, "I'm not, mm, I'm not mm, do, doing the, bu- the business of being a wife. I am a driver because <laughs> she was driving us up and down to the city. These uh, these four kids, and uh, so we uh, we we moved to the city, and uh, uh, when I I finished my high school, I, I went to uh, university, agriculture university in Florence." And then I had a great opportunity. My father talked to me about the great school that was that is in California, UC Davis, and uh, great and there, wine school. Uh, I, I jumped on a plane and um, uh, and I went to Davis, and there I stayed for two and a half years. Uh, what an experience! Um, and uh, and so uh, that is uh, that was how I. Mm, I was involved with wine. Uh, but wait, in that moment when you got back from Davis, which I think you were getting to, yeah, you know, because Davis is you know the best wine school, agriculture school. When you got back, what did you do? But first of all, when I got back, and um, and I, I honestly, I loved vineyards. To some extent, even more than loving wine, uh, I think the that agricultural agricultural aspect. aspect. Yeah. And when I came back mm, from from America, in those days uh, it was mandatory for for every Italian uh, person boy to join the army. So I joined the army for one year and a half. I became a lieutenant in the Carabinieri, that is a military police force, and and there also I loved it. I enjoyed it so much. That at the end of it, I was almost ready to to join the army for for good, and uh, and my father got a little bit worried, and went up to my girlfriend and said, uh, "Could you go and speak to my son and take him back home?" Talk some sense into him, <laughs> yes. And uh, and uh, and so so that that happened, and um, and I was uh, that was, we're talking about 1989. And okay. uh, in '89, I had a great opportunity when I came back home to, considering my studies and my passion for vineyards, to uh, start to renovate the vineyards that we had. And the vineyards uh, that Frescobaldi and Italy in general had uh, were planted in the '60s. Most of them were planted in the '60s with different goals: a goal of producing quantity. Uh, those days, wine had to be inexpensive. Uh, the, we were not yet, uh, in, we're talking about 60s and 70s, we're not really talking about quality with uh, Q, capital Q. It was, um, 
people were always asking you uh, a better deal. Um, so uh, at that moment, instead uh, in '89, and then planting the first vineyards in 1990, um, that's there, when the quality shifted. Or the beginning of the shift, there, the intention. Actually, to shift. we we were a little bit ahead of others, and um, and uh, I remember. I had to flip a coin and to decide the spacing of the vineyards. So I, I looked uh, everything around me and between Burgundy and Bordeaux and uh, because uh, Napa had vineyards, but they were a little bit high, uh, a little bit loose spacing those days. Italy was a very loose spacing because they wanted to be very efficient on, on cost. And we instead changed and we went to high density uh, and and the quality, it, it boomed right away. We actually saw from the first initial uh, harvest that we had from the first, these uh, vineyards that really something was happening. We were really with these new uh, vineyards with low vigorous um, uh, rootstock, um, small berry uh, um, varieties and clones. Really, we were really able to get the spirit of the, the soil, the identity of the location, because wine is all about identity. Um, Was the market ready? I mean, you, 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 there were all these commodity wines previous to this. Now you took a turn towards quality, probably at a little higher cost. Uh, you know, so were people ready for this kind of wine and maybe to pay a little more? Um, or you had to go out and sell that? We had to go and sell that. But, again, we were, uh, I think, the right moment because just a few years ago, before, in 1986, uh, there was a terrible wine scandal in Italy yes. with uh, an added uh, alcohol called methanol that was added to wine and, and it killed people. Uh, and what was the intent of putting that in? Why? The intent was to keep wines very cheap. And, uh, and people understood uh, there was somewhat of, uh, we say in Italian, presa di coscienza, that means really understanding that you could not produce a good wine below uh, the price of a soda. Uh, right. and, uh, and, and, and because that was the thing. Wine was uh, that cheap. Very, it was that cheap, yeah. um, and, uh, and so things, everything changed, and and from there, uh, the the attention uh, of of the wine by the market and by restaurants that they began introducing sommelier, and uh, and then. Um, uh, wine critics. Uh, there used to be five sommeliers in all of New York. Now there's five in one restaurant. <laughs> yes. I mean, the world has changed. Indeed, yeah. indeed. And uh, yeah, the wine changed. And uh, at that moment, you had a person in front of you that you could speak to him about uh, all the complexity, uh, all uh, the opportunities and fears of producing great wine. Because it's not always uh, easy, and, and, and we have fears also ourselves. <clears throat> and our fears is, will uh, the market uh, understand uh, what we're trying to accomplish in this glass of wine? Um, aren't we overspending 
to keep uh, the quality as high as possible. Right. So we do have fears. Sure. But um, uh, we've been uh, we've been lucky, uh, and especially uh, the the U.S. market has been very generous, as uh, as often uh, America is uh, with Italian products. Uh, they loved uh, Italian food and Italian wines, and uh, you're right and, about that. Uh, and a lot of collectors of your wines. Collectors. So. Let me ask you something. So you went to Davis. You love the viticulture part of it, um, which is something you focused on. You said you, you know, you upgraded um, all the uh, vineyards and everything. Today, how involved in the viticulture are you? And then and now, how involved in the winemaking were you? Um, so I began as, uh, as really uh, only in the viticulture side. And then uh, I had one great opportunity uh, back in 1995. So six years after I began working in the family business, uh, that... Um, my father uh, began a, a relation, a business relationship with the Mondavis, right. uh, producing a, a great high-end red wine in Montalcino, uh, so central Tuscany called Luce. And um, the counterpart uh, in, for the Mondavi was Timondavi. Right. And, and the other side uh, was myself. So that moment, I began much more involved with actually the wine. That particular with wine that particular project, wine, right? With, with the wine, and then uh, after three years, uh, considering that the result uh, came out um, positive, I was appointed also for the other Frescobaldi wines. Right. So uh, it was. Um, I began with with another project, and then I, I joined the Frisco the family project. So, which is a good segue to my next question. So you have six estates producing wines in Tuscany. You have wine partnerships. You have other wine properties in Italy. Um, at this point, how do you oversee, manage, delegate all the responsibility? You, you're in a different position now. Yeah. And and excellence, quality is very important to you. Yes. How, uh, now you're on top of it. How do you keep that going? That is, um, that is a very good question. And, uh, uh, and I, now the states, as Frescobaldi, they're actually seven because we recently got in uh, the, the last one, a beautiful Which place. Which is what? In, it's called Perano, it's in Chianti Classico. And okay. It's, and it's Make that just, seven. Uh, just uh, <laughs> makes that seven. And... Uh, and um, but I have a, a nice a team uh, of people that have been working with me over over the last uh, twenty years, sure. and um, I have been delegating. I'm actually quite bad on delegating <laughs> things, but I, I had to force myself uh, on doing that, and uh, it's actually is a win-win situation, I must say. But we get together very often. Um, and one thing that um, uh, so I allowed myself to do in 2015 uh, from uh, our historical location, our offices, uh, they were in Florence. In Florence. In the building of the family, the one that was bought in the 1100, the location. I actually moved the offices out. 
Um, that was quite shocking for my uh, my father and my uncles. Why? Uh, I I needed to I wanted to do that because the company was growing, and um, and I moved them out and took them uh, next to where we have vineyards. So when you open the the window from the office, you see the vineyards. Makes the, sense. Uh, the the company was growing. Uh, we were hiring uh, great people, but some of them had not really a relationship with vineyards and with wine. And instead, being uh, uh, where we have our cellar, uh, we can easily do tasting. Easily, you see the vineyards. You see uh, how a vineyard moves through the year, from from winter when there are no leaves, and you see the. You see people pruning. Actually, you, we take out our, our people from, from sales and marketing, and we take them out to prune. We take them out to do, uh, to do um, uh, shoot positioning, and we also do leaf removal with them because we, uh, we want strongly that they learn and they have the power uh, of talking about what they, are, what they are supposed to know about. Right. You uh, put them right in front of it, it's exactly. going to happen. And, uh, um, that works. So, for instance, with the seven estates, is there an individual winemaker at each estate? Does some people oversee? I mean, how do you have that structure? Every every estate has its own uh, team of people, its own tractors, its own... Its own identity. Identity. It's all about that. And then we have... Uh, one uh, winemaker, uh, senior winemaker, Nicolò D'Aflitto, that overlooks uh, all of them. Uh, and uh, when there is a new project, uh, we, 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 we are always together and we taste it uh, as much as we can and we try really to, to solve the, the big issues where we want to go with this new project. So, um, and then we, I must say also myself, I give myself time to go and uh, i just been to, to Champagne for a couple of days only to visit cellars and to taste wine. I've been to, um, a few months ago, to Portugal. Uh, always observing. Always observing. And actually I went to Portugal to better understand uh, how n the quality of corks, where we buy corks. Right. Because cork is a very important right. part of, of our business. Portugal is and, where uh, most of the best corks come from. Exactly. So And some great wines, by the way. And some great wines. So um, I, I don't want to uh, lose, and actually I, I need to be very much involved with, uh, with all the technical parts and... Uh, and uh, and I and then I allow myself some some travels around the world. Like now I'm in New York and uh, and to to meet and to see the people with my eyes who they are right. that are working with our wines. So you know you you have all these estates. You explained how you stay on top of it. You know it's all about team. You become proactive. You move your office to the place so people can live it. But one of the most amazing things is the quality and the standards, you know, your wines are held up to. I mean, I named a bunch. I didn't dwell on Maceto or Ornelia, which, you know, are some of the most iconic, you know, wines. How do you keep those standards so high 
<clears throat> I, I mean, of course, the right people spend money and, sure, you know, the, sure. the vineyards. But, you know, more than coincidence and hard work sometimes. One, uh, one thing that uh, maybe um, it's, uh, I think, was one key of, of, of success uh, or maybe, maybe success is a, such a big word, but of a direction is to always be a little bit unhappy of what you're doing. Never be satisfied. Exactly. Okay. So that that puts you... You're not a grouchy guy all the time, are you? Um, um, a little? Okay. Quite about. All right. And, uh, okay. Honest. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. And, uh, and so sometimes you wake up at night and say, shoot, uh, what I missed? Uh, what, what should I do? Um, where should I go? Um, what I can do better? And so um, you always have to um, have your eyes bright, uh, open, and your ears uh, clean to understand, to feel what's happening. Um, and again, never be happy and satisfied of what you're doing. Um, let's look at it also in a, in a. I sometimes I share this with my team, saying, guys. How many harvests we do in our lifetime? If you look at that, it, it becomes a little bit sad because you do only 35, 40 harvests. It's a lot. Harvest a year. 40, one thing only 40 times. Right. Oh, in that sense. In only yes. in that sense. So if you blew one, right. you blew it. So you, it's not you, you can go back. You, you better be ready. You, you better, better be right. Be. So you have to be always, uh, always there, and um, and uh, and take take risk, but uh, don't uh, underestimate risk because when you ruined uh, some fruit, you've ruined it. You know, it's it's easy to say it and even pontificate it. It's more important to do it, and obviously. You know, with the wines from the Frescobaldi family, it's done. It's done. Um, I want to ask you one more question before we uh, get into Gorgona, which is a very, very interesting project of yours. Um, how important is sustainability at Frescobaldi? And tell me what you're doing at your properties with this in mind. And, you know, are you moving towards organics and biodynamics or is sustainability, you know, enough for you? Yeah, <clears throat> we we began to be uh, sustainable back in 1995. Okay. Uh, so we have all the we are entitled and registered as a sustainable company, and um, and then back uh, in mid uh, 2006, I remember we began uh, on being organic. And uh, some of our estates are 100% organic and, and certified organic. Going through biodynamic before uh, and then becoming uh, totally organic. Um, we've had some years that, um, easy, like for example, last year, vintage 2017, 
uh, hot and dry. Perfect condition. Perfect condition. Right. Also, a baby could have done. Right. Organic, you didn't have to uh, sweat it out. No, kidding. Okay, you know why? And uh, this year, instead, uh, 2018, the vineyards looked very nice, very healthy, very green. Uh, but we've had uh, somewhat sometimes a shower per day, and that puts a little bit more pressure. But we're really we're we're getting we're going through. Um, and uh, to be organic is uh, and to be sustainable, it is very important for us. Um, we have to have great care of the place where we live. Um, we have to leave. At a future generation, a great mm, place. Right. We have to be conscious of what we have all around us. I, so I, I agree. I, I'm I'm glad to hear that. What you were alluding to before is 17 was a great year to grow. 18 was tougher. So when you stick to organics, there are things you can or won't do because you've committed to organics, exactly. right? You know, if there's mold or wet yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So the challenge is really up and, and the down. The challenge is, is really up and down. And but uh, with wines of your quality, um, you know, people are so fussy about organic food. You know, why wouldn't they want a wine that, you know, carries that quality too? I, 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 look, uh, one of the reasons that also uh, became organic uh, because I I don't agree on organic food that doesn't taste good. Because sometimes people Agreed. are so focused on that that they can accept something. Right. Maybe. But it's organic. It's organic. Well, it but that that it doesn't make me happy. I agree at with you. All. Uh, we uh, became organic. Um, step by step, uh, beginning over 10 years ago, and seeing that uh, the quality uh, of uh, the skin, especially of red uh, variety grapes, where skin is essential to make great wine, became much more crunchy and, and, and thick, and we could uh, do uh, good maceration, good uh, color extraction, uh, and, um, and wines really... Uh, enhanced their quality. Right. So becoming organic w was a reason to make even greater wine. Right. It, it's, it's the right thing to do, like I said. Um, Lamberto, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Lamberto Frescobaldi. When we come back, we're going to talk to Lamberto about a very interesting wine project he's working on called Gorgona. Um, you're listening to The Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. this weekend. They've asked you to bring wine. You need a bottle that says, I'm laid back enough that I didn't think about this choice for hours. But also, I've graduated from Two Buck Chuck, proving I can provide for your daughter and our future children. Where to go from here? Just ask Vivino. Vivino knows feeling pressured in the wine aisle can sour the whole experience. But with the largest wine inventory, Vivino gives you the best price on personalized picks based on your taste profile, then ships them right to your door. 
scan wines, compare reviews, save your favorites, and even get unlimited free shipping with Vivino Premium, plus a free 30-day trial. So, when that next visit rolls around, you know exactly what that dry Alsatian Riesling says about your commitment to your mother-in-law's Sunday roast. Visit vivino.com slash heritage to stock up. Vivino, wine made easy. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, Lamberto Lamfrescobaldi. We're sitting here in New York. Um, Lamberto, you make some of the greatest wines in the world. I alluded to that earlier. Um, but you have also been making a wine at a prison. <laughs> so let's talk about Gorgona a little, which is really, I, I would talk to you anytime at a park bench at midnight, but I wanted to talk to you... Uh, about this particular project because it's very uh, unique. So to set it up, just again, you have to tell me a quick story about how this wine came about and why you chose to do Gorgona. Because I think in the end, it's something you had to want to do. Mm -hmm. So we have to go back some years. Uh, we are talking about mm, the, end day, uh, the end of July 2012. Okay. Um, I received an, e an email uh, that was, you know, we, all of us, we received a bunch of emails. And so what we do often, uh, if you don't have a good firewall, you're canch, 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 <laughs> you're canching hundreds of them a day. And, uh, and one was actually quite in, funny. It was like state, the state prison uh, of uh, Livorno, Mm, uh, uh oh. Blah, blah, blah. There was a state prison. <laughs> well, you know, they did something wrong. Right. And, uh, and this uh, was uh, the, the, the director of the island, uh, of the prison, is uh, asking uh, help to uh, do a better wine uh, of what they are presently, uh, recently doing. And they were explaining that uh, it was on an island, it's 20 miles off the coast of Tuscany, and the vineyard size was two acres. So you look at this, is it a prison? It's 20 uh, miles off the coast, so a small island. Is it off-limit island? Nobody can go part of being... People equated to Alcatraz yeah. out on the west coast, a prison island yeah. inaccessible. Prison island. And two acres, you say, you know, Next, right. and uh, but I don't know why uh, this uh, little bit remained in, and uh, I, I was talking to to my wife uh, Eleonora and said, Eleonora, Eleonora, I got this this email and uh, I'm, I'm there, I'm, I'm, I don't know, and she said it's, it's a prison, you know, you know, you should be careful, and um, I said, yeah, you know, my life, however, we have a good life. We have, uh, we are happy. We are, we have great kids, and do we need anything more than what we can have? I guess not, you know. And uh, I, I need to, I need to call these people. And um, and she said, yeah, okay, go for it, but you know, be careful. And um, so there I call, and uh, 
And they, they said to me, yeah, this is a prison and like to do a better wine. We do a, right now we're doing wine, but we're not happy about the quality. And, uh, and there I asked, can I come to the island? They said to me, yeah, sure. And that was August the 3rd. Uh, 2012, and there I go to the island, and uh, and I went to uh, to visit this uh, two-acre vineyard where there was one of the, an, an inmate that was actually um, having great care of this uh, vineyard, and I understood that this inmate had a, a vineyard back home, and uh, he, he he was sentenced to jail for, for more than 25 years. Mm. And then, um, then I went to the little cellar, and there there was another guy, um, and I tasted the wine, and I tasted the wine, and as you, you do professionally, you taste, uh, you put the wine in your mouth, and then you spit. You don't swallow, you spit. And, and there I tasted all the wines that they had in tanks and in the barrels. And, um, and then I, I turned around, the police guy that was together with me wasn't there any longer, and it was myself and the inmate, and I said, okay, you know, that's a good start. Okay. And, uh, and then, uh, so there we, we leave, and I say, no, let's go down to, this, to the, the little village again. And uh, there we were working, uh, walking one next to each other, a little bit difficult to talk about, you know, what a lovely place, what are you doing, none, none of that right. stuff. So, um, How big of a... The island group, is no. How uh, big of a group was dedicated to uh, the wine project? To the wine project, it was only a few, like four people. Okay. And the inmates uh, those days were fifty-five. Uh, the island all itself is four hundred acres uh, of land, but pretty much is a rocky place. And then um, this guy, in certain moment, looks into my eyes and say and puts uh, his hand on my arm and, and looks into my eyes. And I said, okay, well, let's see now what happens. And uh, and this guy looks at me and says, how do you do like the wine? <laughs> I said, I don't know. And I started, you know, a lot of BS, saying how beautiful it was, blah, blah, blah. So, so this guy goes, oh, comes up again to my and looks at my eyes and says, why you spit them all? <laughs> I had no idea why. And I said, oh, okay, boy. guy. Okay, uh, I have to excuse myself. I, one thing is tasting, one thing is drinking. You taste, you spit. You drink, you swallow. So this guy again says to me, you know, I need to learn a lot of things from you. And, and there everything began. Uh, I started to go to the island initially every 20 days. Wow, uh, frequently. Very frequently. I got to know the inmates. Uh, the inmates uh, have... Uh, some crimes that they are not pleasant, uh, but uh, no sexual crimes, no mafia crimes. Right. Um, that prison that didn't prison, have mafia. No or mafia, sex, no right. sexual. Just hard criminals. In a way. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but people that they 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 want to they, they want to come back to 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 life and. Um, and um, talking to the to the director of the island, a lady, uh, she said to me, uh, Mr. Fiscobaldi, uh, don't uh, don't fall in love with the island, with the sea, with the scenery. Don't fall in love if you're able to make good wine or not. But keep in mind one thing: these people that they were going to work at the project and. By the way, these people are hired by us, and they are paid by the hour like any other person, so they make a good amount of money at the end of the year. Those people, she said to me, 
one day, no matter what, they're going to be out. Remember this. And if you're able to do something for them, that they will, that you prevent them to do a mistake again, this is going to be a win-win situation for all of us, for the community, for all of the people. Of course, you're spending money, but you're giving back to the community something. And if you get in, if you get this clearly in mind, you better understand what you're doing. So somebody said to me, but are you, uh, would you like them not to go to jail? No. If you do a mistake, you go to jail. Right. You're sentenced to jail for 20 years, you do 20 years. 30 years, you do 30 years. But then, if you do this uh, wrong thing in your life, you're 20 years old, and you're sentenced to jail for 30 years, at the age of 50, you're out. So Second chances. Second chances. What do you want him to do? Another mistake? Or you want him to do, to give back? Because let's also keep in mind, these people that are in jail, there is quite of a cost on the community. They cost a lot of money on the community. So if they step out and they start working with their taxes, they're going to pay back the community also. So it's a win-win. So if you start to get in mind on this, you not only are going to be able to great to do a great wine, these, these people are going to love what they're doing because a bottle of wine can be shipped around the world and inside a bottle of wine there is the the big effort and big uh, passion of of the people that are working around the, the bottle of wine. The bottle of wine is it's terrific because there is so much passion inside there. And, um, and it can sh- be shipped around the world. It can be aged. Right. It can be uh, enjoyed when it's young and when it's mature. And, and these people uh, so as you, actually see... As you connected do. with them individually, yes. you realized, you know, I can help these people here and help them with a life outside that you, became an important end goal it became for you, an right? important uh, and um, and and you know sam what really every time it was really hitting me personally it was uh, when i was leaving the island the island at night at evening you could leave i could leave right that is that something that you do not uh, value freedom take it for granted and don't take it for granted you you really were in the thick of that so you understood it um let's talk about the wine a little so i'm going to ask you a bunch of questions what grapes are we using it's a white wine we know they're grown on a one hectare two acre area tell me about that little microclimate climate the soil and all that you know how it differs from other things um, and I, one of the grapes is Vermentino, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. But there's another grape that I want you to tell me about. Yep. So tell me a little about, you know, terroir, yeah. climate, winemaking. So let's uh, put uh, Gorgona. And by the way, if you if you Google it, you will uh, you will see it. If you then zoom uh, on the island, you can we you will actually be able to see the vineyards. Because uh, uh, now they're actually more vineyards. They, from two acres, we are almost close to five because wow. we planted in 2015 and 2017 uh, more acres. 
Um, the island is one of the six islands of uh, in front of Tuscany, uh, Archipelago Toscano, the Tuscan Islands. Uh, Gorgona is the island that people don't really know nothing about it because since 1869 has been a jail and it's forbidden to go there on a private uh, tour. Mm, it's a volcanic uh, island, so volcanic soils. Um, the vineyard is uh, east-facing. Uh, it's uh, um, it gets a little in, in a cradle, so the salty winds uh, doesn't don't it's pr- hit it. It's protected. It's protected based on the geography. Based on the geography, um, when uh, you have also, you would say you would think that being in an island. Uh, you get a lot of sun, yes, but then also you get good temperature scorching because at night the sea mitigates uh, the climate. So the vineyards are all in dry farming. Uh, two varieties, as you said, Vermentino, that is one of the classic varieties planted in, uh, in the coastline of Tuscany, and Ansonica. Ansonica is another white uh, grape that um, I've seen uh, over my time, over my life, in other places through Tuscany. And, and uh, if he's if planted in, in deep soil, it does a very big cluster with very, mm, not very amusing wine. Uh, <laughs> okay. But uh, uh, wine is about soil, is not in location, less so about variety. So Ansonica planted in this very rocky volcanic soil. It does an amazing, uh, very um, mineral wine with the, with the cluster that initially is quite large, but then it, it shrinks. Um, meanwhile, it's getting to, to harvest and um, uh, also, the alcohol level doesn't skyrocket. It's uh, is around twelve point eight. Very 13, drinkable. Very drinkable. Right. But with, with an amazing mineralogy. So these wines can really age. Good food and wine. With food wine and uh, these grapes, of course, are, are picked in small cradles and we take it to the cellar. Uh, it's uh, gently goes to a to a press. It's drained. And uh, it's fermented both in stainless steel tank and in barrels. That we take them there over the over time. Uh, they are one-year-old barrels because we do not want the oak to cover any in any circumstances the unique of the this aroma that the island is able to give. Mm, and um, we keep this wine for. for in, uh, in uh, between barrels and oak, uh, between barrels and, and stainless steel, uh, until... Um, uh, so the blend is a mixture of the uh, wine held in stainless and in oak. Yeah. So it's yeah. not all stainless, it's which can be stainless. steely yeah. and high mineral. It's not oaky, no. 100%. So you, you and, like that blend. Uh, and then there is a moment that we have to go to bottle. And bottling this wine in the island would be very complicated. Because taking the the empty, there is not a, a real ship that goes up and down. So we 
How many bottles are you bottling? Let's start with that. So yeah, we, we do we do a total of four thousand bottles. Okay, and uh, and so when we when when there is a moment of shipping the wine out, we need to go. Uh, we take uh, the wine, we put it in barrels, and we ship it with barrels on the barrel. Ah, so the barrels are used like it was used in the past. I got that to uh, transport the wine, and. Uh, and it comes a, a boat, and we put these barrels on the boat, and they're taken, uh, leaving late at night, the island of Gorgona, and it gets really early in the morning in, uh, in Livorno. There we take the barrels, we put them in a truck, each of them, God. and we take it to the... It's, if you had to do this with every wine you made, <laughs> you'd go let's crazy. Say, let's say, yes. But um, it's it's worth but, uh, the project. It's worth the project. And one thing I'd like to say more: the wine is never tasted by anybody until the June after, uh, almost one year after, and we take it back. We take some bottles back to the island, and we have some guests, and the inmates can taste. The wine that day. Great. Only that day. That's great. So at least they get to taste it once. Um, so how many vintages have you made? Six or seven or eight? We made already 12, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Okay. So there are six, and in a few months we, we will have 18, and, uh, and there I, you go. I, we're going to open a bottle, if yes. you're okay with that, yeah. and... Um, I want to talk to you about it. But before we do that, while you're opening, I, I wanted to ask you some questions with our wine list. But I debated whether to ask you this question or not because I don't want it to be incriminating. It is not an inexpensive wine, number one. Number two, I know you do this, and it's not a venture where you, it's it's not a get-rich-quick venture. No. Quite the opposite. No. You know, so um, the cost of the wine... I, I guess it's because of all of the circumstances you explained, right? All the shipment yeah. and all of that. The, the, the wine um, itself, um, people that have enjoyed the wine over years, they actually had they bought it back. So I think that that's a very important message that who buys it, right, buys it again. And so right. this is one thing very important. And then you said it's not an inexpensive wine. It's actually, right. It is actually a very expensive wine. Um, very expensive. It is one of the yeah. expensive wines. It is actually also difficult to open the bottle because uh, there is a foil all around and then there is a, a gomalaka <laughs> thing and you have to really make your way through. Uh, but when you know how to open it, it's quite easy. Yeah, well, uh, you're pretty good at it. I'm, I'm quite good. Fourth or fifth time. And, uh, yeah, and then, uh, but um, when we went to, to the, the market, it's not that I, I want to, um, to, to, to make any kind of profit, and it will never happen that. Well, but, you, you explained your profit motive earlier, yeah. you know, with the prisoners coming out of the system exactly. and all of that, exactly. creating some self-esteem. I mean, that, the value there, and, and I know you explained early on why you jumped into it. And, uh, and then one thing that, however, um, the, the price that this wine has on the market also um, is, makes uh, for us easier to explain 
what it is. Right. If it was, it's, it's a certain price that people ask, why? And so you explain what it is. Right. Then the curiosity makes you buy the bottle. You taste the wine. And the magic thing is that people are buying it again. So what that, is that's the most important there, that's the highest compliment. Yeah, what is inside there means that the 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 price is right. All right, so we're going to taste it in a few minutes, but before we get to that because we'll spend a few minutes evaluating it and you'll explain certain things to me. I have a thing on the show called the wine list. I ask my guests about five questions about their personal wine preferences and you know, we'll go through this quickly. Um because I'm kind of interested in what a guy like you is drinking now and what you like and all that. So you don't have to, we don't need long answers. First question is, what are you drinking now? Are you drinking anything seasonally? Are you trying anything? You said you were in champagne. What, what's on the table now that wasn't there a month ago? And what are you trying now? Mm, I, I, I'm, I must say I'm very curious. Okay, and I, you'll taste anything. And I so taste, what lately? Uh, lately I've been uh, tasting quite a lot of uh, sparkling champagne-style wine. Is there a reason for that? There is a reason for that. Can you explain uh, quickly? <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, some years ago uh, from a, an estate that was uh, owned by um, an ancestor of mine that she came from Auxerre in Burgundy, and uh, she planted Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and for for over 150 years, it was used uh, the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir to produce a um, a still wine. Still wine. Uh, in uh, 2006, I began producing instead a, a method, uh, classic method. What is it called? It's called Leonia. Right. Leonia has uh, the name of my ancestor that she was actually Leonie. And Leonie in Italy uh, renamed Leonia, and, uh, and she was the, the lady that uh, was she was French and uh, and also r- recalling and reminding her we we made this wine uh, and it's uh, I'm actually quite happy so what he's doing but he so there's always some challenges sparkling wines. All right, next question: Does Lamberto Frescobaldi have a favorite wine and food pairing? Is there something you <laughs> love? You, you just go ooh, ah, when you have it? Um, uh, I am I'm so bad. Uh, I, unfortunately, I'm not in a good fit. I should do more workouts. You look okay. Uh, I, I love food. I love uh, So what's a good taste. combo? And um, when I come to the States, I always love uh, steak houses, so great steak. Uh, with? With uh, great uh, reds in general. Um, could be yeah, Brunello. Could be Cali Cabs. Uh, it could be. Yeah, Bordeaux. It could be. It could okay. Be, it could be good. So steak, you in know a, what? steak in a good red yeah, wine is um, classic. And again, uh, when you love wine, uh, when you really love wine, mm, truly, you love to change wine. I agree. And um, it becomes boring. Too. It um, and um, when I say this, uh, 
Yeah, and I say, you know, when you really love something, you like to change it. And my wife always tells me, it's only you're talking about wine. Yes, of course. <laughs> right. I'm talking about wines. <laughs> All right, so that's a good one. Do you have a favorite wine restaurant and or bar? I guess I would probably ask you to answer that any way you want, but probably either in Florence. Now, the family has a very famous, terrific restaurant, so we'll include that, but... And cantinas. But is there any place, you know, bar, wine, restaurant, fancy, unfancy, that just through the years? But you go, there, is, uh, there are a number of places. And that, I don't want you to incriminate no, no, anyone or no, leave no, anyone no. out. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I, but you know, there's got to be a place that... Yeah, there are, there are a number of places where um, I, I like to, to go from... From um, from sushi okay. uh, to because my kids love sushi. Right, I love tempura, so you know more than than real raw food. Um, good sushi, good sushi around Florence. Around Florence, there okay. Good sushi. That's a that's uh, a good answer. Unusual and uh, sushi in Florence. And then uh, yeah, we have we have a good Asian community in Florence. Yeah, but then also. Uh, more uh, Florence is known as the trattoria style restaurant. Like so, you 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 talk from uh, from Quattro Leoni to Bucalapi to uh, Coco Lezzone, the, the, yeah, and uh, Giovanni and um, Latini and but we, they are amazing, amazing, amazing restaurants. There's no uh, shortage of that. No, right? Those are good ones. Can you? Tell me, and it's hard to do one, but if you have one, if it's a few, favorite all-time wine? Is there a wine at any point in your life that you had? And it doesn't have to be the fanciest. A lot of times it's situational, mm -hmm. you know, when we got engaged. or You know, it doesn't have to be a 61 Romani Conti <laughs> or, you know, the first Ornelia. Yeah, uh... what, what's a favorite all-time wine of yours? Uh, I I don't know if it's, it's said that the uh, the guy that uh, repairs the shoes has its own shoes. That also there is always a hole in it. My cellar at home is disaster. Okay. I never have wine in my cellar, um, and when I have some guests at home, I. Mm, I I always, uh, since I don't have my wines, because I, I, I always run out of them, I, I started some years ago uh, giving uh, friends wines. So they come at my home, but I give, the, I give them uh, an experience of wines around the world. And this is also instrumental for me to appreciate more of what they're doing. It's um, a nice thing. And, uh, and uh, do I have preferred uh, wines? Um, yes, but at the same time, our palate changes all the time. Right, you've said that already. And uh, what you like when you're a kid, you probably won't, will not like it any longer, or not as much when you're in your 30s and then 50s. And, and you, so you, we change constantly. And uh, mm, I, I, I'm, I'm there always uh, chasing uh, the wine that I have not yet met. 
and uh, look forward to finding Fair it. enough. That was an extraordinarily eloquent non-answer because you didn't name <laughs> one wine. But you made a very specific point, and I, I like it, so we're going to move on. One, The last question I ask, because I have a lot of sommeliers, wine writers, and all that. I usually ask them, you know, our audience is always looking for wines of great value and great quality. You know, so I always say recommend a white and a red for around $15, $20. I don't want to get specific with that, but what I want you to do is tell my listeners what's the best quality, best value Frescobaldi wine on the shelves. I, I don't want to use the word cheapest. Or any, I, I want... The best value for the best quality. Give me a red. Give me a white. Is it a Chianti? We, uh, for for the red, it's uh, easy for me to say because it comes up right away on my mind. The wine where I grew up. So maybe there is a little a little bit of something ongoing there. That is Nipozzano. Yes. Uh, a Chianti. It's a Chianti Rufina from a smaller area of Chianti. It's called Rufina, and it's a reserve wine. And um, it's uh, it's lovely to to age it. Uh, just this morning, by the way, I received an email sent uh, by a guy at our um, info at Frescobaldi, saying, "Guys, I want to share with you." And he sent it a picture, and it was forwarded to me this morning. A bottle of Nipozzano, 1945. Wow! And this guy saying it was amazing. It held up. It held up. And it, uh, so Nipozzano that, that goes is, back. Uh, we have our personal cellar there. We have our oldest bottles that we have in our cellar go back to 1864. So that is for the, for, for, for the red. Give me a white. And for the white, again, it's a place where... Uh, when I was a kid, I used to go there, and, and uh, it's called Pomino. Pomino. P-O-M-I-N-O. Yeah, Pomino. Right, and that's one of the estates. That, that's one of the estates. It's up in the mountains, and uh, it's, um, it's, a, it's a specific appellation. Uh, it's a DOC Pomino. We are the only producer there of this appellation, and this wine is made mainly with, um, with Chardonnay. Uh, up in the mountain, very crispy, unoaked. 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 Okay. Uh, so for people who don't like a heavily oaked, the yeah. Pomino. And uh, so this one should be around twenty dollars, and it's that's uh, a great uh, price. And, that's exactly what I was looking for. So the Pomino and the Nipozano. All right, Lamberto, let's let's taste the Gorgona. Every week uh, on my show, we taste a different wine on air. A lot of times I bring a wine in. A lot of times a guest will bring a wine in. It made total sense for you to bring in the uh, Gorgona. Um, this, what vintage is this? This is the Gorgona 2016. All right, so we're drinking a 2016 Gorgona. As we said, it's made off the coast of Livorno in Tuscany. Um, it is a blend of the Vermentino and Ansonica grape. Um, now's the time to tell you the wine retails for about 80 euros. What I wanted to ask you is, keep in mind we're in the States. Where do we get it? At better wine stores, restaurants? I know it's limited because of bottle. It, it up, is very limited because um, I believe that in the States uh, you don't get more than 600 bottles. Okay, so it's 
it's it's a very special wine in what it is because you know you're making it at prison. It's low production, and even less of it comes to the states. So you're going to have to work hard to find it, but you'll find it. Yes. Right, so let's yes. let's evaluate this. It's a gorgeous, pretty deep, you know, yellow. Yeah. Um, it's got a beautiful uh, color to it. Really nice. Stands out. Um, tell me what you get on the nose, Lamberto. Right. Um, going back to what was your question, this. This is a, um, it's a natural park uh, site, so mm. this is uh, uh, so no no chemistry is allowed uh, on the island. Mm. So this is organic, um, and uh, uh, I'm not to no, I was speaking backwards. <laughs> okay, and uh, and this it's um, the, the the two varieties are uh, picked in different moments. Uh, the the Vermentino. Ansonica and the Vermentino, just because... Yeah, they, there is a difference on, on timing right. uh, of, um, of, mat of maturity. We don't care for uh, to do overripening food, uh, fruit. So this wine here is around uh, this, particularly the bottle tells 13, but this is actually 12.8 because in the Italian law, uh, those you have to put the higher um, level, so it's 12.8. Um, Tell me the uh, Vermentino to, and Sonica blend. Is it predominantly one versus the other? Does no, it change pretty, ma pretty much it's 50-50. Uh, 50-50, uh, okay. And over time, the Vermentino will become more predominant because the, the newer vineyards that we've planted uh, have Vermentino. Um, right, because the Vermentino has a much more of a uh, of a personality um, in this case. So tell me what you get on the nose. Give me your descriptive. Yeah. I'm sure it changes a little each year, but there's yeah, it a, is a consistent change, nose it is to a, a consistent, uh, There is a a consistency on uh, on this uh, on this wine over time, uh, and. Uh, uh, this is the 2016 uh, harvest, so one has to again, again uh, remember um, the the kind of the harvest and where we uh, and where we are. But in general, so let's don't focus too much on the fact that there is can be too much sun or some rain um, that is quite poor. Uh, not enough, never during the summer there, but the the sea mitigates and gives some some humidity, and the the vineyards are, are just perfect right. through the season. And putting your nose, first of all, you get a very complex very. nose. You are entering inside the wine, uh, and uh, there is. No, not an evident aroma, but there is a, a, a group of. Aroma. I agree. It's not citrusy yeah. or floral, or it, it's it's a it's very a blended, complex nose. Complex nose. That's so, a that's a good point because you always struggle to say what is that. It doesn't yeah, have to be that. Yeah, you know, exactly. It could be all together. And, uh, sometimes uh, there are some simple wine that the the reason is actually that to be simple is that to make people easily recognizable instead right. for when you have complexity the complexity for me 
the, the thing is that it puts you a smile in your mouth, yes, in your face. It does. Because, because you are intrigued by it. It's going in, you're intrigued, and then when it's in the mouth, it's definitely... So, it has yes, a, you have some citrus, but also you have some honey yes. in this one here. But not the sweetness, just the good part of honey. Yeah, and then the sage, because here there is a lot of... Uh, There's that herbal aspect, herbal aspect, but not overpowering. The mouthfeel is, you know, medium plus. It's plush in the mouth. You know, it's uh, it's got a beautiful mouthfeel. Agree? Very mouth coating. Very mouth coating. Long finish. Um, do the and uh, also with some saltiness. Yes, end. definitely from its surroundings, from its in surrounding. a very pleasant way. Yes, you know it works its way in because there's and, nowhere else for it to go. And uh, and uh, and it um, really uh, fills up your mouth, but at the same time it leaves a nice clean palate. Very clean, very crisp. And um, um, this do one the, here. Do the nose descriptors carry over to the palate descriptors? Give uh, me your palate descriptors on this. I, I would say so. That There's a little of that herbal, a little of the citrus. Yes, you have some herbal, some citrus, some also... Salinity. Uh, the salinity is, is definitely there. And, um, and you have uh, a, a very intriguing long finish. Very long. Very long. Very mouthful from the front of your mouth to the back. Which and is the, nice. the, uh, the oak is, uh, doesn't taste uh, no. absolutely. Uh, so the oak doesn't, is not in our way, although this wine has been aged in, uh, in the oak, um, but it's not on our way. And I think this is actually very positive yes. about it. You can feel that this wine uh, is wine that can be aged just recently. Uh, we did a vertical tasting from the first vintage. This is, as we said before, is 2016. And we have uh, a small collection. We kept it um, in the cellar of every vintage we did. And 2012, we just recently tasted. In February, it was spectacular. It's holding up well. It's holding so up. It's, so this wine is making really a wine to age. Yes. Tell me this wine in front of us. What foods would we pair this with? What regionally and then, you know, anywhere else? Um, I'm, uh, uh, in the sense, I'm a very classic, um, and I, I love to put this wine with, uh, with um, how you say, crevette, uh, with... Um, fish? Fish. Okay. Uh, Grilled? Um, I can be grilled, but can be also boiled. Okay. Uh, like a fish stew or a fish stew of fish. And there is a there is a recipe that in that is done often uh, in Italy that we call it is cooked below under the uh, salt. So it's baked in a salt yeah cover cover and you crack and you up. crack it right. So the, the fish is... The salinity of the salinity. wine. Not that the fish is salt. No, the wine is not salt. No, no nor no, is the no, fish, no, even no, though it's fish. buried in salt. But it's, uh, it's, it's very careful on uh, this kind of recipe. Really keeps the, the taste of the fish as 
pure as possible. Moist and everything. And moist and it's terrific. And, and you do not get the, the sometimes the recipe overpower uh, right. the, the dish itself. Um, but again, this wine can also be enjoyed with uh, uh, some good uh, cheese and, and, and mozzarella. So Agreed. I think of having a, a nice mm, large mozzarella, you slice it uh, and uh, you eat it uh, with your hands. Uh, the gorgona in one hand, the mozzarella in the other. Exactly. exactly. So sometimes I'll sign uh, up for that. you do not need... To, Anything to too fancy. Uh, Simple. To a three-star yep. Michelin. But good mozzarella. But a good mozzarella. All right, Lamberto, we have to wrap up. Um, so we just tasted the Gorgona, which we talked a lot about. Yep. The 2016. Yes. Um, the Lamberto makes about 4,000 bottles. A uh, fraction of that comes to the States. But you could find it. So um, look out for it. It's G-O-R-G-O-N-A. That's the Gorgona. Um, and there are some past vintages. Um, if you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. I'm going to post Lamberto's wine list answers, and I'll post uh, more information on our weekly wine sip, which was the 2016 Gorgon on our uh, social media sites. You could follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby, and now you can follow The Grape Nation as a hashtag. On Twitter, we're at BenRuby. Subscribe to The Grape Nation. God bless you, Lamberto. Uh, <laughs> podcast on itunes stitcher and spotify write a review if you enjoy the show lamberto where can we find we talked about where we could find gorgona where can we find best place to find more information about frescobaldi family of wines website website indeed. Okay. yeah always these yeah. days i've been on it a lot lately and it's very rich it's very deep we talked about the six, now seven estates. They're all prominently uh, featured. Um, as I said earlier, Lamberto makes Masetto, which is truly one of the most prized wines in the world. Ornelia, same there. Um, so you can find information on all of that stuff. So I want to thank our guest, Lamberto Frescobaldi, from Marchese de Frescobaldi, for coming in, talking about Frescobaldi wines and sharing the uh, Gordona with us, Gorgona. And uh, I want to thank our engineer, Vitor. I want to thank everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. Our annual Summer Drive Fund has commenced. We need you, the listener, to help and donate to the Heritage Radio Network. You could do that at heritageradionetwork.org backslash donate. You could skip a bottle of wine this week and maybe make a donation, but go out and buy the Gorgona. So we want to thank you for uh, helping out uh, Heritage Radio. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization 
driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.